Good afternoon. This is Apostle Corey Douglas with Zion Ministries in Harvest, Alabama, welcoming you to another verse-by-verse Bible study on the book of Romans. Praise God. And we're going to pick up with our study. We are in Romans chapter number 2, and verse 6 is where we really want to start out. It says, Who will render unto every man according to his deeds? Who will render? Now, I believe there's a there's something in this verse from the heart of heaven that he wants us to capture. Chapter number 2, verse number 6. And it says, Who will render to every man according to his works? I believe that um, God wants us to capture this in the proper light or, or in the light that benefits us as believers, you and I. Uh, because this this particular word renders is an equivalent word of the word pay. It also means to give away one's own profit, okay, um, or to give away what is one's own. Uh, to give someone what is due, uh, to give back, to recompense. And so, when we look at this, and if I can. Just choose one word so that you can have in your heart and in your understanding. When you look at this word render, it would be the word repayment. Say it with me, repayment. Okay? So let's read it in context. Who will, who, meaning God, will give a repayment, okay, to every man according to his deeds? Looking at it from that context, it's important to understand that God is not just asking us to lay down our lives, to sell out, to live a life in obedience to him, to deny um, sometimes even things that are lawful but may not necessarily benefit um, the job that God has given us, the heavenly calling, the high calling of God. Or you can we could say the heavenly occupation, as it relates to our role to uh, to develop a redemptive nature and to allow God to use us and to choose to work with God and to partner with the Holy Spirit to to get people saved, healed, delivered, set free, and to brought into the kingdom to snatch them out of hell's grip to you know, to break the chains asunder, to set, let the oppressed go free, and to reveal his son unto the world who's lost in paganism, who's lost in sin, lost in darkness. And so when we choose to live a life of surrender to God, it's just like going to work for God, even though it's not a natural job. It is a, it is a, it's an eternal job that will have eternal rewards for it. Uh, an eternal occupation, uh, one would say. And so with that being said, when we, when we look at this particular text in Romans chapter number 2, verse number 6, uh, he emphasizes that God will render or give repayment to every man according to his works. Now, verse 5, we see that that's an example of a person who chose to basically not do what was asked. Okay, and we see that you know everything in verse five doesn't look so rewarding. Looks like everything that we want to shun and stay away from, uh, just as humans, you know, let alone believers. 
but verse 6 is not supposed to work against us. It's supposed to work for us. So it says, who he being God will render to every man according to his deeds. This word deeds means toil or labor, you know, or works. And so it's important to understand that, you know, when you and I, when we, we get born again in Christ, um, that, you know, we have a job to do. Like we have a mission uh, we were saved for a specific mission on this earth. You know, we call it calling. What's my calling? What's my purpose? What's my destiny? And I guess we could tag into that uh, as a synonym. What is my job? What is my eternal job? What have, what have I been not hired, but in a sense hired, but more specifically created by God to do, um, you know, my work. And I have been created. Apostle Paul said in Ephesians chapter 2 that we're created unto good works. So what are the good works, okay, that I have been created to do? So if, if we're created to do work, then that means that somebody has hired us or that we're working for someone. And that someone is God the Father, the creator of heaven and earth. But I want you to pay attention into that because I want to bring out something about God's repayment. Because I really believe in order for Christians to really just sell out and with a good heart and with a good attitude to become the people that God has created us to be, called us to be in the earth, that, you know, we have to, we have to live to a certain degree off of the encouragement of the retribution, off of the encouragement of the repay that God promised that he would do, praise God, uh, when we, when we, you know, when we do patience, continuance, and well-doing, you know, because of the doing well and because of the being obedient to him, what we should also be inspired by is that there will be a repayment. There will be a giving of that which, uh, which is owed us, okay, a reward, a recompense uh, that's beyond anything that you and I can imagine. It's no different than going to work. Uh, for two weeks and expecting a check in the end, uh, you can't sell out or lay down your life in this world for God the Father and 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 think that he's not going to give you a big payoff in the end, okay? Like he's not going to come with the bonus of bonuses. He's not going to come with the check of checks, the reward of rewards in the end. Uh, that's no small sacrifice. Uh, for someone to make, to lay down their life for the gospel, to live in obedience to the will of God, and to uh, to choose to uh, to go to work in this world so that others may know him, uh, there would come a rendering and a repaying according to the works. Now, verse 7 talks about four things that you and I, are, that are very, very priceless and valuable that the Apostle Paul said in verse number seven that many believers seek after, but I really believe in our generation that not many believers are seeking after these four things in verse seven because most believers don't even know that they exist and don't even know that they have a right to seek after them, you know. 
Verse 7 talks about four different things that will be given to us as payoff elements. Okay? In other words, these are four things that, you know, that if we patiently continue to do well or to do the specific instructional thing that God has told us to do, the way he told us, just like you go to work, you, you do what you're asked the right way, we get paid. And so when we do what God is asking us, we're the right way, there's a payment as well. Okay? And this is not the only four things that God uses to pay those who work for him off, but these are four of many. Uh, but these four, I don't believe that enough light has been shined upon them um, to encourage the believers to to go to work for God in this earth, you know, and to uh, and to be happy and to be excited about it. But notice in verse seven, he said that to them who by patient continuance. Now. We talked about how this word patient continuous meant to not be swerved from a deliberate purpose, okay? Uh, to not be swerved by trials, by tests, by storms, by hardships, by circumstances. In other words, to, to keep working even though it's snow outside, to keep working even though it's raining, to keep working, you know, even though um, you may be tired. That's what patient continuance speaks of, a constancy, a cheerful, hopeful endurance, you know, not a moaning, complaining, groaning, dragging, but a cheerful, hopeful endurance, okay? It's kind of like, you know, if you, you're at a company and they pay well when it comes to overtime, um, and you know you get a get payoff during overtime, then when you're working, you're not as upset about it, okay? Kind of cheerful because you're hopeful. You know you have a right to expect time and a half, and that time and a half would be beneficial to you. Well, it's important that as we serve God, you know, in the kingdom, that we also understand that, you know, God is not unrighteous to forget our labor of love, the Bible says. Well, if we do labor and have labor, not forgetting your labor love means that he's not going to forget to pay us or to give repayment for the work of love that we release and demonstrate in the earth instead of making a choice to be selfish, to make this life about us, to live how we want, to do what we want, when we want, all to the benefit of ourselves. But when we take up our cross and we follow him and lay down our life, it's kind of like we enter into the office of heaven. We enter into our office. We enter into our, the workforce. We enter into our, you know, we clock in. You know, when we choose this love walk and we choose the will of God for our lives, we're clocking in with heaven. And when you're on the clock, okay, however long you're on the clock, the payoff increases in the end. And so it says in verse number 7, to them who by patient continuance and well-doing seek, 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 seek. And so in verse 7, these believers, the Apostle Paul up under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit is writing that they're not just doing well because it's good and it's right to do well. 
But they're doing well in expectation of a payoff. They're seeking something on the other side of their well-doing. Okay? I mean, we go to work and we seek something on the other side of that 40-hour week, and that's the payoff. And so you have to have something on the other side in order to do well and in order to continue in it with the right heart and the right spirit. There's nothing wrong about that. There's nothing sinful about that. There's nothing unrighteous about that. Even the writer in the book of Hebrews said that for the joy that was set before Jesus, he endured the cross and despised the shame. So there was a payoff on the other side of the cross of the shame and of the suffering that he focused on to go through what he went through cheerfully. Okay? And the same is, is the case for you and I, and it becomes the foundation of biblical hope that sustains you and I, okay, in the midst of uh, a world or in the midst of a temptation to just be selfish and to say, hey, serving God is in vain. You know, if you know that there's something at the end of it for you, then it's easy, it's easier to be of good courage and to take heart and to take cheer, okay? But let's look at the, well, the, the first thing, to them who by patient continuance and well-doing seek glory and it says honor glory and honor immortality and eternal life should just say that out loud glory and honor immortality and eternal life okay again glory and honor, immortality, and eternal life. That's verse number seven. Okay? Now, these are four riches or four ways that God can use to pay us off. Now, uniquely, the Bible is saying that there are believers who are in the earth that already have a revelation of these things, and they use it as motivation to do well because they're seeking the possession of glory and honor, immortality, and eternal life. Let's deal with this first one, glory. Okay? Now, we have all said, we, we've all read the scripture. You've heard taught that the glory belongs to God. We give glory to God. And that God says that no flesh for glory in his presence. Okay. And we understand it. So we kind of back back up when it comes to, to glory. We don't want to take God's glory. We don't want to superimpose on God's glory. It's kind of the thing that we feel is reserved for God and God alone. Okay. Even Jesus said to him be the glory, you know, the honor, the power forever and ever. Okay. So but that's not all the Bible has to say about glory because there are scriptures that speak specifically that we'll look over that specifically say that God is a sun and shield and that God will give grace and glory. He will give grace and glory. He will give grace and glory to them who by patient continuance and well-doing seek glory. Seek glory, okay? He will give grace and glory. 
Okay. Now, no good thing when he will hold from them that walk up rightly. And then we'll look at a, you know, a few more verses. So, what's the balance to this? You know, how do we relate to this thing called glory? Okay. The first thing that's important to understand uh, what glory actually means. Okay. And the actual definition of glory, and it is the word doxa. Okay. And glory by definition means dignity, okay, dignity, or that which is honorable, or it also means praise. It also means worship. So I know that can be baffling to the mind, but let's explain, okay. It's, it was always the Father's heart to make you and I just like him. We cannot be one with him without sharing in his glory. Okay? Now, mind you, we're not the source of glory. He's the source of glory. But everything about reconciliation and being reconciled to him is about coming into at one or at atonement to come into union and in harmony with him. And so there's an aspect of God giving grace and glory that comes in a certain time for us by reconciling us with his nature and reconciling us with himself. And so you and I become partakers uh, of his glory because he never, uh, he never intended to create you and I to be apart from who he is and his divine nature, okay? Uh, that was his whole plan from the beginning. As a matter of fact, um, John 17, chapter, Jesus said, glorify me, Lord, with the glory that I had with you before the world was. And if you read that 17th chapter of John, you see that the prayer of Jesus Christ, uh, and he makes this statement. He said that the glory that you have given me, I have given them. So it's different. It's a difference from trying to take glory that doesn't belong to us, take glory that we hadn't earned, take glory that had not been given to us from working and patient continuance and well-doing, okay? That would be like robbery, stealing, usurping, or laying hold of something that's not really ours that we don't deserve because we have not worked for it. But on the other hand, okay, through patient continuance and well-doing, there comes a time of repayment to where glory that's given from God you are worthy of because you worked for it, because you earned it, because you labored for it, because you toiled for it in obedience to God uh, in his will and in his fashion. And then it comes from him. Okay, this word glory, again, I want to focus on this word, it is dignity, okay, that, you know, it is also honor. Okay. And so there is a dignity that God bestows upon those who choose to serve, and there's a, a, a divine, another word for glory is majesty, an exalted state, okay, um, a kingly majesty, 
a magnificence, an, an excellence, a grace. Okay. All of these things are what we seek after that come from God. And, and the reason I say that is because you have to realize it was always God's heart to, to esteem us, to, to make us majestic, to give us dignity, okay, to make us praiseworthy. It was always his desire that you and I would come into sharing, okay, not taking over, not trying to be him. But because God is love and God is a sharer, he wanted you and I to experience, okay, his glory as well, okay? That comes with being reconciled to the Father, okay? And so there are those who understood that, and the Bible says to by them who patient continues and well-doing, seek for glory, okay? It didn't say that they're seeking to bring God glory. They're seeking for glory, okay? How do I know that? Because if you look at the context of it, you could say glory and honor. Okay, we can say they want to bring glory, God glory and honor, but no, because there are two more things spoken in verse number seven, immortality. So we can't be talking about God because God is already immortal. And we can't be talking about God because God has all, he is eternal. So they're not seeking to give God eternal life or to give God immortality because he's already immortal. He's already eternal. And so the context is not glory and honor, bringing glory and honor to God. The context is by patient continuance and well-doing, being and in that repayment that God chooses to give in this world and also in the world to come to you and I reaping or becoming rightful legal processes of glory, okay? As God esteems or as he views as he values and sees fit, as he judges and estimates, he distributes his glory. Okay? This is why the Apostle Peter said that if we suffer as a Christian, then the spirit of glory and of Christ does rest upon us. Okay? And so I wanted to share this so that we can have an incentive, one incentive of denying the flesh as well as walking uh, in obedience to the Father uh, because he, he has great plans for us. I want to show you uh, one more scripture um, as it relates to glory and the Lord's plan, actually. Go to the book of Hebrews chapter 2 real quick. And we're going to look at verse number 9, 9 and 10. It says, But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, for the suffering of death, crowned. Jesus was crowned, here we go again, with glory and honor. Now in verse 7, Romans chapter 2, verse 7, it says that to them, them is us, who by patient continuance and well-doing, not swerving for what God is asking, we're not swerving because we're seeking and we're hopeful. What are we looking for? Glory and honor. Glory and honor. Say that out loud. Glory and honor. 
Okay, Hebrews chapter number 2, verse 9. But we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor. There it goes again. Glory and honor, who thy patience continues in well-doing. So we're seeking the very thing that Jesus was crowned with. Hmm. Now, are we wrong for, I mean, are we covetous of the crown? Or is this something that God has already ordained and you and I partake of? Who by patience and contention, well, don't seek for glory and honor. Hebrews 2, 9, Jesus is crowned with glory and honor. But let's go on verse further in verse 9 in Hebrews chapter 2. It says that he, Jesus, by the grace of God, should taste death on behalf of every man. Okay? Verse 10, for it became him for whom are all things and by whom are all things. This is the part that I want you to say. In bringing many sons and daughters, children of God, unto or into glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. Okay? Now, this suffering is basically the denying of self, the taking up the cross and the following him through hell or high water on this earth, loving Christ above all, denying ourselves. Okay? That brings its own form of suffering with it in the life of Christ, also in our life. But the Bible is clear that that there's, there's a repayment that comes. And the ultimate goal in verse number 8, and the ultimate goal of God is to bring you and I into glory, to bring you and I unto glory or for glory to, come apart, to become a part of our nature, okay, for, for you and I to become glorious in our nature to the degree that we have that we're worthy of it, to the degree that we have earned it, to the, you know, glory becomes our payoff, okay? A portion of our payoff, okay? It is one of the things that God renders back to us as a repayment for patient continuance and well-doing, okay? Well, thank you, praise God, again for your time. Um, I pray that, you know, this teaching, that it helps you and be more inspired to serve the Lord with purpose of heart. Uh, Lord willing, we will continue to study on Monday, 6.30 p.m. Central Standard Time. God bless you. Grace and peace be with you. In Jesus' name.